You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel San Angelo and Trey Harris. Hey guys, welcome back to another Blast from the Past with 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. And I'm the other, Daniel Sanangelo. And with us, as always, is our producer, Jesse. Yep. And also, we have his wife here, Melissa, in case she wants to chime in. So if you're a female voice, it's not my wife or Daniel's wife this week, it's Jesse's wife. So, a little estrogen on the field this week, as usual. It seems to be sometimes, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of housekeeping real quick. We're glad to be back, guys. It's been a little over a week since our uh, last episode aired, but it's been about, what, three weeks since we actually recorded? Three or four, yep. Yeah, so uh, we're back in the saddle, so to speak, and we got some news. Daniel mm. was blessed with a little baby girl with six fingers and ten toes. Oh, sorry, <laughs> 11 fingers is what I meant to say. <laughs> I totally ruined that. Dan, you want to just talk about that for anybody who was interested? Well, she was due actually, what is today, the 30th or the 31st? 31st. She was due today. She was born on July 6th, so she was a bit early. Oh, but thank God. She didn't she would interfere with the podcast. <laughs> but everything went well. Her name's Allison Nicole San Angelo, and uh, she's doing really well. Awesome being, to being hear. Being a little baby. Mother and baby doing mm-hmm. fine. And how's, the, how's the father holding up? Oh, he's doing well. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah, but congratulations from all of us. And if you'd well, like to send you. Daniel any uh, congratulatory remarks, 80srevisited at gmail.com. No apostrophe between the zero and the S. And uh, also, don't forget, we are a part of the Awesome Podcast Network, which is really quite awesome, in my humble opinion. There's two other podcasts on it right now, with many more soon to come. Uh, one of them is Geekly Dose, hosted by Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli, and uh, they actually do a Dark Knight Rises review this week. Uh, spoiler loaded review, so if you haven't seen it, wait a little bit till you've seen it, then definitely check that one out. And the other one is Duo Attack, which is Jesse Sigley and Justin Owens, and they discuss everything hero clicks and whatnot. Yep, and uh, both have fresh new episodes of both of those up on the podcast uh, iTunes and also Stitcher. Give them a listen. I, my weapon of choice lately is actually Stitcher. I used to download them all just to my phone and listen to them like that, but Stitcher is just so easy. I don't have to wait to download them at home and just listen to them anywhere. So definitely check that out. Get those other ones out, guys. They're as good, if not better, than our own humble little podcast. Speaking of our podcast, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of it. Uh, of course, last week we did Poltergeist, this week, and as we said at the end of last week, that we will be doing our 80s video game extravaganza this week. And uh, I know some of you thinking like, hey, well, they also said when Daniel's kid was born, they'd be doing Look Who's Talking. That'll be next week, so look forward to that one then. But as I said, it's video games this week. And we do have some contest winners from our contest, and I don't want to wait till the end of the episode to let you know, so we're just going to get that out of the way so we can get to talking about video games. Uh, for the Aliens contest, of course, that one was named uh, How Many Bullets Were Left in Turret C in Aliens in the Director's Cut. The winner of that is Darnell Lee. Uh, he contacted me via email. He's actually from here in BR. The answer was 10, by the way, 10 shots left uh, <laughs> for Labyrinth. It was uh, no name, just an email. It was skatersrock22 at hotmail.com. The answer to that one, Daniel, was? Eight. Eight talking, <laughs> wait, what they call them again? I forgot. Uh, uh, f- false alarms? Yeah, false alarms. Oh. was it. Eight false alarms speak. Uh, they were from Paulden, Arizona, and then the Rocky Three Impromptu Contest was a gentleman. I assume his full, his real name's Jonathan, but he spelled it J O N space capital A T H O N. So I assume that's his full name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. His parents named, didn't want to name him Jonathan Nathan, so they named him Jonathan. 
Uh, but the answer, the question was, the impromptu question was, what was Hulk Hogan's wrestler name in Rocky Three? And it was Daniel. It was Thunder Lips. Which he actually did remember. Yeah. Daniel did remember. Which, which is funny because it's, it's always one of those things where you can't remember the time, but in the weirdest taking a crap situation. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, it's You know, like, it's one of those things, sort of. Struck your brain. Didn't want, didn't know it when I wanted to, but. <laughs> but he was from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and actually this, just this very week, I got a copy of Serenity on Blu-ray. It was on sale at Walmart, so you'll be getting a pristine copy of Serenity on Blu-ray, so definitely enjoy that. Thank you all for listening. All right, video games. Uh, the, the, kind of the... Oh no, I got the Blu-ray. He's in the DVD. Okay, <laughs> DVD version, not Blu-ray. <laughs> Whoops! But um, flip of the tongue there, guys. Sorry. There's always a couple on each podcast. The the reason we kind of decided to do this is a few podcasts ago we got on a little tangent about video games and, and and it expanded very like exponentially. Uh, so we both are generally just love video games. Um, so we want to do a little podcast based on the old Nintendo Entertainment System. Which and I believe came out in it came out in eighty five or eighty four. I believe so. One of those years, but but uh, here's the format. We each, me and Dan, we each got a top ten list. Uh, we kind of talked in the pre show. We were kind of talking. They're not really in my number one's my number one, but the other ones aren't in any particular order. I believe you're about the same mine, way. You're, you got the definitive number one and the rest. There. I know. I actually ranked them. It, it, okay. It took about an hour to do it. That's how. It <laughs> well, in I had that to case, get I'll down say mine are too. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I'll tell you what, let's start with our number 10. You want to go first? You want to do some honorable mentions just to... Let's, let's do our list first, okay. so that way people won't know what's on the list if we say what's honorable mention. We'll and now, round it up with that. We'll even get little inputs from... Jesse, did you don't own the Nintendo system, right? No, but I did play uh, several Nintendo games at other people's houses. <laughs> so I might have a few. I mean... I'm going to listen to yours first, and then <laughs> I'll chime in with some you may have forgotten. Sounds good. But then, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, nowadays we're all adults. We can buy whatever the hell we want to buy. Uh, but, of course, when we're kids, we're dependent upon birthday, Christmas, allowance, parents who happen to play video games, as Daniel was blessed to have. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, my PlayStation, I mean, the, the first system where I had a job to buy games for was the tail end of SNES into the and Genesis into uh, mine was definitely PlayStation where I yeah, first that, was that's like where yeah. I hit my stride that's when I was hitting 40 <laughs> hours a week and wasn't part time getting out of school uh, high school and whatnot. Uh, so I mean I think my NES collection at its highest was maybe seven games at one time as opposed to mine was Genesis a bit, PlayStation 1 my NES was a bit more uh, well come on all fairness it was you and your dad's yeah. collection right, oh, right? yeah right. pretty much okay. my dad Owned around 45 to 50 Nintendo games. Oh, that's awesome, though. That's, that's nothing but jealousy coming from me. But I, as I was looking through some of the, the games and based off of the year it came out, he bought, a, he spent a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think I remember PlayStation 1 era, N64 era. Uh, I think the, correct me if I'm wrong, N64 games were still like maybe around 60 at that point, or were they yes, 50? Yeah, yeah. No, 59. PlayStation yeah. ones were 50 because they were on CDs. They were cheaper to manufacture, 49.99. And I'll never forget, 360 and PS3 are coming out, and all game prices are 60 bucks. And yeah. if I hit the lid, and I'm like, you know, it ain't like Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah. So, you know, any car, the old cartridge games, those things were uh, 80, and, 90 bucks, some of them. Yeah, and yeah, just imagine back in 1986 and, buy, yeah. b- buying Super Mario and, well, Super Mario came with a game. Say you bought 10 Yard Fight, which was <laughs> one of the games we own. I mean, $60 for that. And I've, yeah. seen, I've seen $80 games. Yeah. I mean, 
He spent a lot of money back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially back. We actually have it. That's one way we have it a little bit better now is that you know, and, and plus when you adjust for inflation, you oh, know, yeah. you're talking yeah. hundred dollars plus yeah. for a game per game, <laughs> and forty five games. At least some. That's of the your college education. We we don't have any. We don't Sorry have the chihuahua in the background. Everybody. <laughs> we don't have any um, collector games. I wish we did. I think there is a game that's worth like eighteen thousand dollars, but they only made like. 20 of them or so yeah i know uh of course the gold zelda cartridges still in the package go for hundreds of dollars oh i have the zold sealed. i have them but they're not sealed i mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly back then who did that i'm just gonna it had buy to be like a christmas present they got for somebody who died or they just never gave it to them found it in their attic and like oh oh wow it's zelda the gold cartridge still sealed in the shrink wrap from yeah i had like how ex ecstatic i would be if i went to like an old attic or something and found you know you're and I, I hate those stories you hear these stories all the time like oh some uh, there was one recently a dude went up into his attic at his grandfather's and found uh like hannes wagner and ty cobb base, baseball oh card my in God. condition framed like the dude just like got a, like his grandfather dies you know rest in peace and now he's a millionaire he won yeah. the lottery basically in a, in a, in a, <laughs> you know and then there's people like oh i went to my dad's attic and found like all these comic book boxes and you know when there's something detective comics and Superman, Action Comics number one. and I thought I remember something about uh, original copy, or not original, but one of the main copies of the Declaration or, or the Constitution was inside a painting. Are you, talking I, about, are you talking about National Treasure? No, no, no. I thought I remember seeing, hearing now, something now, about that. I, what, here's what I think you're talking about. Was inside it's, of a frame. They, they, yeah, they, when the Constitution was written, we didn't, it's not, it was a copy of the original. Okay. And by a copy, back then, of course, it was a handwritten copy of the Constitution, which they, once they, they, they everybody signed the Constitution, they signed like however many colonies we had at that time, 13, 13 or yeah. whatever, and they had 13 copies. And then they had, you know, they didn't take the actual one single Constitution to every colony, like, this is what we got. No. They made handwritten copies, sent them out to the colony, so each colony had its own, and they found one of those. Okay. Which still, still I mean, that you know, <laughs> that you know, to be or somebody one step away from the freaking constitution. Somebody comes across an old coin, you yeah. know, like someone, right. <laughs> yeah. like in the great U uh, '80s movie UHF, a Weird Al Yankovic, the, uh, Kevin McCarthy gives the bum a coin, and it turns out it's like a Indian buffalo head nickel. And at the end of the movie, he comes back like, "Oh, I'm rich now. Thanks for the coin, Mister. I got a Rolex." <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, and this is, you know, it sounds like something you hear, an urban legend or something that, you know, like you said, winning the lottery, but it sure seems to happen a lot. Yes. At least once or twice a year, somebody found some magical thing in their attic or between the pages of a book. Oh, uh, somebody found an original Da Vinci sketch in a book in Italy. <laughs> they, they bought an old, they're just an old book collector. They found a seam torn in the cover, took it out, had it investigated, an original Da Vinci sketch worth like a million plus. Wow. So, I mean, it happens. Now, video game-wise, you're not going to approach anything anywhere near a million mm -hmm. unless you have a huge collection. I know recently some dude sold his entire collection for a million-plus, but, I mean, we're talking, like, I think he had, like, basically every single game that had ever been made up until now. It was a huge collection. And no girlfriend or wife ever. I don't know. Maybe he did. <laughs> unless he found another gamer chick. <laughs> Should we all be so lucky? Oh, before I forget, I don't, I don't want to forget this real quick. This is very relevant. Uh, there is actually a great page on Facebook. It's called Cafe 80s. And actually, Jesse, I, I came across it because you liked it or posted something on there. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I uh, went to it. It's a great nostalgic site. They post a lot of ads uh, from old 80s game, uh, games, movies, TV, everything you could imagine. It's a great trip down memory lane visually. Uh, and it's a fun place, too, to talk about stuff. Like the, the, the recent one they posted picture was uh, it was Micro Machines. 
a pack of it. But I didn't know this, but it was a Predator one. They actually had a Predator <laughs> Micro nice. Machines pack. It had a helicopter, a Jeep, a Predator, an Arnold, and uh, uh, Carl Weathers' his name in the movie. I forget his name. You remember? Uh, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the two I've watched guns. it, but not, not too many times. Oh, yeah. You know, and you know what? Happy birthday to Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday. This is July 31st. His birthday was on July 30th, the same day as my brother, and also Christopher Nolan. So happy birthday to Arnold, an <laughs> 80s icon who turned, Yay. I think he was turned like 60-something. You'll see him soon. 64? Hmm. I don't know. All right, yeah, Expendables 2 comes out yep. in next month. I believe so. I think so, like yeah. the four, 16th, 17th. So looking forward to seeing him fully back in the movie yeah. now with a cameo. Okay, now we got off on a tangent <laughs> that was not video game related. So let's hit back. Let's get back to the video games. Okay, top 10, starting with number 10. Dan, you want to go first or me to go first? I got to give them the real quick here. Um, Nintendo NES, I believe, came out in 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a mere one when that came out. So, the, so there are some games that are uh, in the 90s, but who cares? Uh, the system came out in the 80s, and we'll just act like that's... That's the main uh, deal behind it. So, and like you said, he, I had a four-year advantage on him in the '80s. So he does. Most of yours are not 19, actually 1990. So that's all, that counts. That counts. There's no three in '90. There's uh, four in the '80s, and then there's two more. Ain't no, no quarrel with you, my friend. <laughs> so you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Uh, number ten. You can go first. Okay, my number ten game of the '80s. My personal favorite, Ducktales for the NES. Never played it. Oh, well, you missed out. Uh, it came out in September 89. It was actually it was a Capcom game, uh, and it was extremely fun. And for its time on the NES, the graphics were amazing. And this is a game, unfortunately, I never owned, but I've told the story on a couple of episodes of how I had a video store that I rode my bike a mile and a half to go to to rent things, and I rented this game consistently. And it, it was just one of my favorites. And what was ingenious about it was... It uh, it was it had a Mega Man type structure where it had, uh, had five different levels. Yeah, and you get to choose. And you got to pick which one you played. So, you know, you if there was one, there were, I can't remember. I think it was the Antarctic level. The ice level was the one that just gave me hell. <laughs> so I would always play like Transylvania and some of the other levels first, then yeah. go play the hard one so I didn't get mad. And then <laughs> as I got older, then I said, no, let me play the hard one first so I know how many lives I'll have left to yeah, get that try out to the get way. the extra mm. ones. Uh, you know, and I had also had cameos from all the characters in DuckTales. Uh, my favorite being Gizmo Duck would come and like blow walls out of the way for secrets and stuff like that. And it was one of the first games that I remember that actually had an alternate ending. If you, oh, wow. if you may, if you had like $10,000 total in points and you found the two treasures hidden in the level in the five levels, you had your picture on the newspaper at the end on the end screen was a little different. That was the alternate quote-unquote <laughs> ending for that time. So, But uh, nothing but fond memories. And, of course, it had the, the MIDI version of the DuckTales theme woo, on the title screen. So it was always, when I was a kid, you know, again, at my age, I had a record player. So uh-huh. I would leave the DuckTales game on just so I could hear the DuckTales theme. Yeah, the, the, like some in my list, the music is so memorable. Like mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing that, that type of game for you, yeah. Oh yeah, again it was it was just a fun game. It played well, and uh, of course we're not we're actually not at the podcast studio this week either. Again, guys, so sorry for if the audio quality is a little off, but uh, definitely check out like some YouTube videos if you're oh, bored yeah. at work and you want to look at it. Uh, but it was a very vibrant game. It almost to me it could have passed for a SNES game even. Mm. Side scrolling, kind of like Metroid esque, big sprites looked really good. It was a ton of fun to play. One of my personal favorites. So that's why it ranks in number ten. 
Nice. All right. (laughs) Well, my number 10, let's see if you've ever played this, because it's kind of a a little bit of an obscure game. It's Crash and the Boys Street Challenge. Never even heard of it. (laughs) That's right. I got one of y'all, didn't I? Elaborate. It it came out in 92. Um, I don't actually remember who made it. I think it was Konami. That sounds like one of their overly long titles for a game. What's the um, River City Ransom? Yeah. Okay, who came with that? I think that was, it was either... Taito or Data, uh, Data and that, East? That or? was one where you, you walk and punch, like a double yeah, dragon, yeah. but a different... Yeah, beat up besides yeah. and Brawler. This was... It, it reminded me of that a lot, except there were high schools involved. There's five high schools. You got to pick from four. and oh, so uh, it's like a bunch of bullies, basically. Yeah, there's five, five students. That wouldn't fly in this <laughs> political climate nowadays. Um, th- there was five games on it. There was a hurdles, but there was hurdles, hammer golf, uh, swimming are swimming in a canal and you fight in the water uh high roof jumping where you pole vault over and fighting but you get to pick between five uh different male students at each school Mm -hmm. but no females no females in it Ah, and there was actually like a dinosaur of a game with its (laughs) political socio-political ideals there was actually this ritzy uh high school that you couldn't play but they were really good at everything one of those types named Thornley High. Even sounded like it. But, um, Sounds like a bunch of pricks. Get it, Thornley? Okay, whatever. I played this game so damn much that I eventually started keeping tabs on my little, my little <laughs> pad. I would play every event with the same guy. There's 25 guys all together. And I would keep up with what they got first in, and then I'd average it out. It's a lot. Yeah. I remember now. Um, <laughs> I was in the... My brother moved out when he was 17. I was 10, so I had a lot of time to myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started What was that. the second game you said they had? Yeah, they had hurdles. What else? Hammer toss or something? Hammer golf. Hammer. Okay, explain that one because that sounds familiar. Like I've either seen that you, or you I might just, have played this game. It's basically hammer throw, and there's no, like, aim involved. It's just the amount of power you do to get distance. Hmm. And you need to try to avoid water hazards and bunkers and all that. Mm. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell, but it does, mm. when you were describing the events, it did sound familiar, unless I'm thinking of The Simpsons. I don't yeah. know. The, f- the fighting event was the best, because so, it definitely reminded me of River City Ransom. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was my number 10, and I'm glad none of y'all have never played it, so I can <laughs> keep that to myself. Cool. Moving on. Okay. I think this might, be, this might end up being the oldest game on the countdown. Coming in on my number nine, the one, the only pitfall for the Atari 2600. Uh, came out in 82. Activision published it. Oh, we're not doing Nintendo. They're doing everything. Oh, I it didn't know that. Scoot. <laughs> well, take, take time to edit your No, no, no. I, I didn't have an Atari. So. No, I, mm. I didn't either. My my aunt, my, my dad's side, had an Atari, and she was my favorite babysitter. <laughs> I was like, whenever mom and dad had to go out of town or, you know, during the summer when I was out of school, I was like, oh, please let me. She was my Aunt Sylvia. I called her Aunt Sissy. Let me stay with Aunt Sissy. Uh, and the main reason, <laughs> I loved her death. She was, she was my favorite aunt, by the way. Sorry if any of the other aunts are listening, but she was my favorite. But she had her. She had three kids too. That were all like exponentially two years older than me, two to one years old, yeah. older than me. Uh, and they had an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and they had a crap ton of games. But the, one of my favorites was always playing Pitfall. I remember because, hearing things about that game because <laughs> I, I thought I was good at it. But it wasn't because I was good at. I, I really wasn't good at it. It's because I just could survive the whole twenty minute time limit. So I felt like I was good at the game. Because <laughs> Pitfall is basically more so about your score. Yeah. And of course, you know, you're running, you jump on the alligator heads, you jump on the ropes, and you got three lives. Uh, 
and you have the you either there's 32 treasures hidden in it. And again, this is an Atari game. I think it might have like four colors: black, tan, green, and brown. You know, so mm-hmm. it's and it and it, of course it had that. Every time you walk, you had your little MIDI footsteps. So it's very very rudimentary sound effects. Of course, it's an Atari 2600 game. But the only way to beat the game is, or basically register your score, so to speak, to where it counts in a sense. Uh, you survive the 20-minute time limit. You find all 32 treasures, or uh, or you uh, three lives and you die. In a lot of these old games, there was a bunch of sc- scoring involved, and I guess that dates back to the old arcade systems. Like, yeah. how else would you decide how you know you would rank yourself? Yeah, there was always this dude on every game, AAA. <laughs> he was number one on everything mm-hmm. except Capcom games. There was always a CAP. <laughs> he was always number one, and CON was number two. Mm-hmm. Always. It's so weird. These guys just played so many games at every arcade I went to Two in the country. Cons? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's a fun bit of trivia, too. Uh, Pitfall is the second best-selling Atari 2600 game of all time. Nice. You want to take a gander at number one? Uh, I, I didn't really know much about the Atari. Uh, is it E.T.? Nope. That okay. was the least selling. Okay. They buried the copies hoping. in a landfill. <laughs> uh, the number one selling game... Uh, well, by the way, Pitfall sold $4 million. The number one selling game on the Atari... One only Pac-Man. Pa- oh yeah, okay. He's yeah, emerged on this podcast a couple of times, so I'm not sure how many I saw Pac-Man that sold, today. but it was more yeah. than four million. But yeah, a lot of fun memories of Pitfall, and they always confused me as a kid because it, it's kind of like a circle. You start on this one screen. If you keep going far enough right, you can go right or left at the start. Yeah. And if you keep going far enough right, you eventually come back to the front screen. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've seen this already, and you just, you know, you keep, <laughs> just keep going and going and surviving, hopefully, and surviving. Uh, and they did kind of resurrect it on the, I think it was PlayStation where they uh, had a 3D one. Yeah. It was pretty decent. So the franchise did come back into pseudo modern era. I think actually it was, I guess it's worth mentioning because Bruce Campbell actually voiced Pitfall Harry in the game. <laughs> so it had a cartoony look to it. So that is my number nine, the legendary Pitfall with an exclamation point on the end for the Atari 2600. It had the exclamation point? Yeah. Really? That's yeah. nice. <laughs> I guess the awesome. name is Pitfall! <laughs> <laughs> Well, my number nine is something everybody's played. Uh, I would guess all you know, all five of us here played it one time. Super Mario Brothers three. Hell yeah, and that was gonna be my number. That was gonna be high on my list. Till I, we were talking about the process of elimination. Yeah, that was on my list, but I had to sacrifice stuff for it. Oh, sorry, I'm watching Believe the auction. It. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, right. Daniel. It came out in 1990, uh, but too bad. Actually, no, it came out. It, technically it came out in '88 in Japan. In Japan, yeah. But so, yeah, yeah it's the '80s, bro. <laughs> I, I love the whole different world system. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple of worlds that I always would use the whistle to avoid. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like I loved area one was good. Uh, area two, the area seven, I didn't care for at all. That was the, I just so aggravating. No, it was like a more tunnel type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It was enclosed and it wasn't fun. It was like brutal. Yeah, and there were there was there was a couple of hard ass levels in that game. Yeah, especially the, like the tank in the eighth world. Oh God, have you mm. seen the speed run on the game where the dude flawlessly hits, hits the bullets every, every cannon? I mean, or it's, and it makes even like a tune. It's like yeah. you have to watch it. Go look up Mario Super Mario Brothers three speed run. It's and really the, cool. The whole it, it was new at the time. The whole you get to store your power ups so yeah, you, you and choose like. Them. Of course, uh, there were some that were better than others. Yeah. You'd always try to get the, the tail, the raccoon yeah. tail or whatnot. That helped out so much in certain levels mm-hmm. to get across things. And then the cloud that you got 
a couple of times when you just get totally fed up with a certain level, mm-hmm. just skip it. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> but um, that game is actually number two all time in Nintendo sales. You talk about uh, Pitfall's four million. Mm-hmm. This game was eighteen, 18 million. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that one that was really good. The music was memorable on it, and I remember watching my aunt play the shit out of the game. Like, it was a game that you pretty much played it if you own a Nintendo. You would think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, I only had like seven games, and that was one I had. I got it for Christmas, and yeah. like me, like that was the game. It's sort of like what Halo became for all of us, where everybody you knew was playing it. Yeah. Mario Three was that mm. equivalent on the NES. Everybody played it. It was yeah. the. I think honestly, and I haven't played Galaxy One. I haven't played any of the Wii Marios. But no, I take it back. I played Galaxy Super Mario Land. Nice. I mean, uh, or the new Super Mario Bros., which was fun and nostalgic. But Mario Brothers Three is my favorite Mario Brothers game of yeah. all time, bar none. It's not. It's my second favorite, but would be your first or is it mario 64 i like that one it's just three was you know it was it was the pinnacle of the 2d marios that you know and it's honestly more nostalgic than and more the reason why i like the 64 more is that was the first time i really saw that graphic those 64 the full 3d immersion Mm -hmm. you got yourself into um but that's my number nine so sounds good i definitely agree with it uh okay number eight for me the one and the only Altered Beast, 1988 arcade. Man, I have never played that game. Oh. <laughs> and you grew up in Walker, too. <laughs> if you know anything about Walker, there was uh, James Curbmart on the corner of uh, Walker South in Florida, a little off the corner. Yeah. They had this game in there from the day they opened till the day they closed <laughs> down. Altered Beast Arcade. Me and Jason also wasted so much money on this game. Uh, what is it? Is a fighting game? Basically. Mm-hmm. it's uh, The cool thing about it is, like, honestly, here... I thought here right now, the thing this game is most memorable for is its terrible voice acting in the beginning, where this little wizard appears flashing and he goes, Rise from your grave and save my daughter. That's like, <laughs> most people know this game because of that. Honestly, it's just, it's one of, it's like Resident Evil. Like everybody knows, like, I hope this isn't Chris's blood. And just the terrible lines from Resident <laughs> Evil. This is one of those all time worst gaming lines. Uh, but in Alter Beast, you start off as this ridiculously muscular dude with just tidy white or tidy pinkies or tidy blueies on, depending on what player you are. <laughs> and you go around punching, and these orbs will fly across the screen. And when you get the orb, you turn into a, a beast for that level. I think the first level is like a uh, like a werewolf type thing. You eventually there's a flying level where you turn into a dragon. Nice. In like huge Sounds fights. pretty cool. It's a, okay, it does not hold up at all. Okay. It is terrible today. But it's 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 one of those games like. If I saw an arcade, I put a quarter in it for nostalgia's sake, yeah. not because I expect to beat it. It's brutally hard. It's one of those when it's like Mario Brothers aspect in that you know it's side scrolling, but uh, if you're in your human form, you get hit, you're dead. Contra. Yeah, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So, but when you have the beast form, you get an extra hit, so so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think when you're in human form, you might get two hits. It's been so long since I played it, so don't don't quote me on that 110. percent But uh, this game was just it was one of those games that is just awesome. When you got the orb and you turn 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 into the beast, and it shows this little. You know, two <laughs> animation screen of your your human form turned into the beast. It's just like, oh hell yeah! And it was two player, so me and Jason could play or whoever you know the arcade. You know, little, you know, uh, little eight year old sitting there playing their arcade, loving it. And some you know teenager at the time comes up and plays and just I die halfway through the level and then I'm out of quarters because I got an icy, and <laughs> play the game. And then he, I'm just sitting there standing with my slack jaw as he's beating the game. You know, it's one of it's one of my favorite arcade games of all time. It was just a ton of fun. Uh, and uh, it was also a pack-in game for the Mega Drive, which, you know, the, the pre-Genesis Sega Master System. Yeah, I had speak. a Master System. Yeah, yeah. it was a mm-hmm. pack-in game for that. So you should, actually, it might not have been the, originally a pack-in game. It might have, that might, since, or unless you. The one I remember, 
the pack in where you, you you don't have a game in it, it plays. Is that what you're talking about? No, yeah, it actually had a game like a okay a because I had a Sega Master System and there was something called Alex Kid. Yeah, that you didn't have, if you you played it without no cartridge in it, that game would mm-hmm. come up. In yeah, the Sega. Uh, but of course, it was a Sega game and from the classic era of Sega. Yeah, uh, and the villain in it, Neff. Uh, he actually, if you see the Wreck It Ralph trailer, he's in that like. Bad Guys Anonymous scene. Yes, like with Bowser's in it too. He looks like a rhino. Yeah, Bowser's in it. And his rhinoceros form. He's in that. (laughs) So, Alter Beast is still being felt today. (laughs) So, that is my number eight. It's a, it sucks now, but at the time, that game was so awesome. And again, the thing that really made it incredible at the time was used to Mario Brothers, which on your TV, you know, Mario's about maybe an inch, inch and a half sprite. You know, he's not like huge. These were like half screen sprites, like (laughs) huge things. So, super colorful as opposed to like the NES at the time. You know, this is pre-SNES. So it was graphically awesome. But again, it's, it's basically Double Dragon, Mario, you know, I mean, it's that same kind of... Yeah. Most games at that time were side-scrolling 2D. So, but one of my personal favorites, just, I would not play it today. <laughs> any time longer than five minutes. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if we have any of the same games, because I, I have I know, not played I, those three games. I know for a fact there's several on here that you have played. Yeah, okay. I would be shocked if you didn't. Well, I've been shocked before, Daniel. <laughs> so I've watched Star Wars. Now, yeah. Yes. <laughs> now you have my pad one. All right. Well, my number eight is Zelda Two: The yeah. Adventures of Link. Yeah, right. Played that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 1988 came mm-hmm. out. Uh, it's kind of, if you think it's kind of like the Odd Child of the Zelda, yeah, the, the Zelda whole franchise. Uh, the only real side scroller game. Mm-hmm. And. It, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I loved it. It was a lot of fun, I thought. It was very fun. They had the, uh, like, kind of the, you know, you had your RPG elements where you go to each town, there's, you knew, normally get a new power, you're able to jump higher or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You go search for things, all that good stuff. Um, it was pretty damn hard as well. Yeah. Some of the, some of the enemies. Um, I never beat it. I had to rent it. Th- there's, like, a gold or a red type of, so, like, super golem-looking soldier type yeah. that was really hard to... Because he would hit from the bottom and he hit from the top, and you just didn't know the order. Um, and the shadow link is really hard that you fight at the end. Mm-hmm. I never but, got to him, but I know I've seen videos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I preferred the Zeldas with the top down. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer from the top down, too. But um, I, I thought I thought the game was pretty badass. Um, the only thing I didn't like was you didn't really... You, you die there's no password or anything yeah. there's no storage the yeah you got to go back to the very beginning again you now you have all your stuff you just go to the beginning location and then you have to go through caves or mm-hmm. whatnot if you haven't taken the shortcuts actually um, uh i remember exactly where i stopped in that game there's a point to where like there's a ro- something blocking a pass yeah. in the mountain mm-hmm. that is as far as i got in that game yeah because i you could eventually never figure out how to get past that you get a hammer eventually that will break it and that That'll oh, make it. your wow, journey a lot easier. <laughs> Use your freaking sword hilt and tap that, that thing. That was a really good selling game, too. It sold 4.38 million copies, mm-hmm. and it is number five all time on the NES. Wow. Surprising. So that is my number eight. Sounds good. I definitely played that one, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, that one's famous, too. Like, we talk about Altered Beast, you know, has the rise from your grave. But uh, Zelda 2 has the I Am Error. Where, like, you walk into the, the room and the dude just says, I am Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a classic yeah. thing now, like, in one of those things in Golden Age of Gaming. Uh, all right, moving on to number seven. I know you've, if you haven't played this, I am literally shocked. My number seven, Excite Bite, 1985 I, NES. I've played it. Yes. Hell yeah, thank you. 
<laughs> All right, two in a row. <laughs> but uh, Excite Bike was so much fun. Uh, and for me, it was all about the design mode. And of oh, course, yeah. you only had like 10, 12 pieces at the most. <laughs> but the, I mean, every one of my tracks was the same. The, uh, the, like the last two, like with the big jump, like yeah. the wavy, I don't even know how to describe it on a podcast. But if you play the game, you know what I'm talking about. Then that one, you go up and then it flattens the out for a little bit. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the L shaped, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would just make those repeatedly and just play it over and over and over. Now, we, we haven't looked at each other's rankings. So if we happen to have the same game, We'll go ahead and mention that as yeah. the, like what number that is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's not in my top ten. Okay. <laughs> All right. When uh, did it come out? 1985 for the NES, mm-hmm. uh, and it was one. Uh, one of the things I love about the early games for the NES, so they all had that similar box art. Yeah, with the, with the, the, with the 8-bit. It has the you saw the, the pixel, yeah. and like mm-hmm. I, I just love those box arts <laughs> for like all the old, those games until then they. Got to the point, like, you know, with Mega Man, with the terrible-looking fat Mega Man art on the cover. <laughs> and it was just kind of goofy. But I uh, always loved, loved the old uh, box art for those games. Yeah. Uh, Excite Bite is a perfect example with the biker popping the wheelie and, yeah. and all that. But that's my number seven, Excite Bite for the NES. My number seven, I would hope everybody has played this. You saw me play it the other day. It's Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That is on my list. Oh. Well. Glad you mentioned that <laughs> previously. <laughs> it uh, came out in 1987. Uh, there's so much I can say about this damn game. Um, memorable characters. Oh, uh, God. The, the, the famous bald bull and Soda Popinski and whatnot. Uh, the sound effects were really cool in that game. Can you remember, like, certain ones where Flamenco's oh, yeah. little beg where he's... Meow, 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 oh, yeah. Things. Just the uppercut. Like, Great Tiger. Boom, bitch, eBay sniped. <laughs> One mile auction, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Taking care of two things at once, huh? <laughs> Ambidextrous. <laughs> eBay from day one, baby. <laughs> All these people now thinking they're hot, bidding 10 seconds before it's over. You wait till two seconds. <laughs> what did you get? Some trade paperbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Comic books. I like how you got some, some paperbacks. <laughs> no, I sold uh, sold all my oh, comic books, my actual issues, my boxes. Actually, meeting to do tomorrow to fin- finalize the sale. Because uh, when you get old, older, you don't like your back doesn't like hauling comic book boxes either. You know, loaded with comics, so I just get trade paperbacks. They look nicer on the bookshelf. They're easy to store. <laughs> you don't care if they get dropped and chipped and bent. So, anyway, back to Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> yeah, mentioning the sound effects. Yeah, the sound of ball bull when you hit him in the oh, stomach yeah. and things like and the knockout noise I can't even imitate yeah. but um Nintendo, very iconic Nintendo Power the, the magazine listed in 2008 listed this as the sixth best NES game of all time mm-hmm. uh, again very iconic like you said oh, yeah. uh, is actually one of the top selling games I, I wouldn't have thought that much is number 16 it, wow. it sold 2 now, million is that copies consider, is that considering both punch out and mike tyson's punch out or is it just yeah yeah you know the one it? with mr dream and the okay. original i had the one with tyson before he did all the stuff with I like never robin gibbons and all. the only one i ever played was mike, mike tyson's punch out and again that dude is still tremendously hard yeah. to this day if you, you fight him one time you saw well, actually, me you get two times to mess up we had a little retro gaming thing uh last weekend uh trey was was with me and he saw me play Tyson, and I got demolished. Like, yeah. I just, I've beaten Tyson before. I've seen but, you beat him on the yeah. wing. But he kicked my ass that time. So but, that's my number seven. Yeah, but uh, now, now 
I, that's my number five. Number five. Uh, Sorry to spoil it. And of course, did you ever, <laughs> did you ever play the arcade version? No. The arcade version was sort of like how the Super one eventually kind of with the perspective yeah. of it with like I the never played frame that one. boxer. I never played that. They actually, mm. because the arcade was more advanced than the NES, they had to figure a way to present it on the NES. So they came up with Little Mac, to where yeah. you have the instead of the wireframe, they couldn't do that. They had to do yeah, the sprite, mm. and, you know, tiny, tiny little <laughs> sprite. But uh, okay, here's a trivia question for you, Daniel. About Tyson? No, about about the game. Okay. Can you name in order everybody you fight? Yes. Okay. I have, I have the list. Including do I, rematches. Do I get money on this? No, you get <laughs> you get mucho respect from me and all our listeners. The first one is Glass Joe. Then you fight Von Kaiser. Then Correct. you fight Piston Honda. Let's you go went, slower. You fight Piston Honda. Mm -hmm. Then you get the title. You get the minor title. Then you do the run during the day. Mm -hmm. The very classics, yeah. which has been. Dun, I'm not going to say dun, what the dun, internet dun, says it dun. says now, but everybody's seen that. I'm sure if you have access to a computer. All right. After that, you start with. Uh, Don Flamenco. Mm -hmm. Then you go to King Hippo. Mm -hmm. And how do you beat King Hippo? You gotta wait till he punches you. You hit him in the face, and then he hit him in the stomach, and keep like hitting his belly button. Mm -hmm. Once you knock him down, he's done. Yeah. And you, oh, I got you on this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm glad. It makes me happy that you know this because I don't remember uh, all the rematches. Oh, then you fight Great Tiger. Mm -hmm. he's how do you one. beat him? You basically have to block his little special attack. And how do you know he's about to do the special attack? He jumps back, then he goes. Ming! But I he it was his, his little yeah, jewel what, rings, yeah. yeah. That's how I would yeah. well, wait sometimes, for the jewel to flash. And yeah. then just one, two, mm -hmm. three. You had to get that rhythm down to yeah. block his... He's <laughs> definitely timing <laughs> in that game, yeah. Then after Great Tiger, you fought Bald Bull Correct. for the major championship. All right, you're over halfway there. Then you do, no the, you do the run at night. Mm -hmm. Okay, then you fight Piston Honda Correct. the second time. Then you fight Soda Popinski, the laugher. Guy laughs at you. Mm -hmm. Then you fight Bald Bull again. Yep. Who has a, a four little, left? Has a little extra. Oh, I got this. Don't worry about. It. Uh, <laughs> then you fight Flamenco again, who's mm -hmm. ten times harder than he was the first time. Oh God, time. yes. <laughs> then you fight Mr. Sandman, mm -hmm. uh, or the Dream, whatever. Uh, then you fight Super Macho Man for the world title. All right now, okay, you got one left. Are you sure you know who it is? Do you want to use a lifeline? It is Glass Joe's brother, whose real name is. <laughs> It's Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson or Mr. Dream, whoever, whichever yeah, one you owned. Exactly right. Bravo, my friend. Yeah. I remembered them, but I didn't. The, the one I've, I had, I didn't remember the rematches, yeah. like the order of those. I had Macho Man and Sandman, like when I was yeah. thinking, write, writing it down to like what I could remember before I went and looked it up to see how correct I was. I, would, I had those two. I would love up. to figure out how many times I've played that, like I, I've fought against Tyson and whatnot. And that was the, hmm. probably one of the funnest games that. To replay. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. once you learn, you know, we got to the point to where you knew everybody leading up to Tyson or mm -hmm. leading up, to, you know, every time you get a little bit further, you know, you finally, the honestly, the hardest one that took me the longest to beat was Great Tiger. There, there, I could never get the, I'd always <laughs> miss one of the, his twirl, super whirlwind, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And just there were times where I would not get knocked. I would almost not lose life until Tyson and then just get demolished. Demolished, yeah. Losing the first round. Well, thank God it had a password system. <laughs> yeah. I even remember the password. Yeah, go ahead. 007-873-5963. Yeah. We, we all know who the Mike Tyson's punch-out master is. It has been established. And that was your number That's seven? That's number seven. So all right, anything I'm, else about I'm sorry, Naroon, you're number five. Oh, no, no. It's, it's cool. I'm yeah. glad we had, you know, I knew that was going to be on yours. I yeah. figured it might be a little bit higher than seven for you, yeah. but we'll see, cause, because of obviously the wealth of knowledge you have of it. Uh, but moving on to number six. Now, this is one of my favorite games of the 80s, but also probably my favorite series in all of gaming. And I'm talking about uh -oh. Metal Gear. 
Oh, I've never played the original. The original Metal Gear, Metal Gear is uh, actually. I would love the, to play it. Though. The reason that I first even wanted to play the game was in comic books. It had the coolest ad. Basically, it had the the box art in the center, and around it had all like the different weapons you get. Like it had like uh, the metal glove for when you can punch people. It had the rocket launcher, the night vision. Like, but it had like I think I want to say it had like prices by it in the in the game. And I was like, oh. The ad just made me like, oh, I'd take this, 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 and this. Like, it was just a cool, very effective ad. And then when I saw it at Movie Land Video for rent, it stayed rented until I beat it. This was one of the first games I ever beat. Yeah. Like, uh, I beat this game before I beat Mario Brothers. Yeah. I like, mean, pretty much. This uh, is like a heroin addiction for you on that one. Basically. And Metal <laughs> just Gear, didn't want to stop. of course, it had, a, it had more of a top, not quite a Zelda top-down perspective. Yeah. It was maybe a little, it had a little skew to it. Little, mm-hmm. so it wasn't directly looking straight down, yeah. uh, but I mean, of course, it's it's the battle of Solid Snake against Big Boss and Outer Heaven, and of uh, came, of course, 1987 for the NES, Konami still make them today, uh, and Metal Gear, of course, came to even it was always a well received game in the 80s when it came out, always very praised. Now the sequel, Metal Gear Solid 2: Snake's Revenge, wasn't developed by Koji, Hideo Kojima who. It's like the, the, the kind of like he's the, the father of of it. equivalent of Nintendo's Miyamoto. Miyamoto. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was sort of a rush job that really isn't even part of the canon. Although there is a Metal Gear 2 that was only released in Japan, and then they re-released it over here, I think with Metal Gear Solid 2 subsistence, or Metal Gear Solid 3 subsistence, one of the limited edition things. It was a pack-in type thing. Anyway, but this is the first appearance of Solid Snake, one of my personal favorite gaming characters mm-hmm. of all time. The Metal Gear series is extremely deep, and uh, actually, uh, also, if you like Metal Gear, check out, I think it was not this recent episode, but the episode before of Geekly Dose, where Steven reviewed Metal Gear. Yeah. Uh, I, and he goes over that a bit. I, I used to live with Trey. I probably said that before, but uh, he was always most excited about when Metal Gears were coming out. Oh, I, yeah. I remember that. Oh, definitely. yes. Mm. Uh, but, and again, this is, the, this is the first one in the series, pretty much. And it, this sets the stage for the, the classic PS1 game, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, I have openly wept in several video games, but Metal Gear Solid 1, 3, and 4, uh, there were parts where I like, had te- a tear going down my face. There are some of the most iconic moments in video gaming in this series, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of people complain about like long cutscenes, but... The story in this game, in these games as a whole, is so deep. And I mean, there, in, like in every single thing, there is some cheesy things that are just kind of silly. But I mean, again, this is a Japanese developed game, so naturally, some things that we consider cheesy are more accepted in their culture or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but it is a powerhouse, an emotional, a roller coaster ride of a game. Biggest emotional game I had was on the PlayStation, uh, Sui Coden. Really? There's a certain part on there I did not expect, and <laughs> it got really? me. Really? Wow. <laughs> One of the well, we'll, we'll get on that if we get out. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about other stuff too. Uh, but anyway, and uh, this game was one of the first games that broke the fourth wall. There's a part like where you're near the end of the game, like Big Boss kind of knows where you're at. He's like, oh, I know you will go there, Snake. Blah blah blah. And there's a part where he actually says to turn off the console. He's talking to you as the player. <laughs> and as a kid, I turned off the console thinking that was part of the game. <laughs> Seriously, lost my, my progress and everything like that. I, and I was like, okay, what the so like I turn it back on and nothing. And it, it, the title screen. I'm like, what the hell? Kind of like a pre-psycho man. Is exactly, on, uh, and that that's sort of where yeah. you know that's the prerequisite. Or uh, in fact, 
preceding. Psycho Manus said, you like Sui Coden. Yeah, if you had That's a Sui Coden save. Mm-hmm. Uh, on mine, I had Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I was like, oh, you like playing Castlevania, huh? <laughs> you know, and it's such a, that was such a great moment, too, because they took advantage of everything. Yeah. They said, like, ah, oh, put the controller on the ground. And you, you know, okay, what? And he goes, I will now make it move, like, whatever. And they, he made, it rumbles. So the <laughs> controller did move, you know? It's silly, but I mean, it's so effective for the immersion in the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh... It was a, it was one of the first stealth games, and uh, Stephen touched on what he thought a stealth game was on uh, Geekly Dose. And uh, Metal Gear, I disagree with him slightly. He's mostly right, but Metal Gear is a stealth game with boss fights in between stealth sections. Yeah, you know, so it is. And uh, then Splinter Cell came along and went the pure stealth route, to where getting seen, you might as well start the level over, yeah. and if you don't want a bad ranking or you, know, you have to utilize equipment, <laughs> you know. So it really took it to another level. Metal Gear for me is the pioneer in the genre, and again, like I've harped on before, is one of my favorite game series, oh, yeah. bar none of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't know. I can't off the top of my head at least name one that's better. I, like, uh, and of course, as generations go on, you trade in games or whatever. I still have every Metal Gear game, with the exception of the NES, because I never had the yeah. money. I rented it repeated. I rented yeah. it enough to buy it, but you know, I would have to save up a couple months, and I didn't want to wait a couple months to play the game repeatedly, so I went back and rented mm-hmm. it for 4.99 over and over and over every week when I got my allowance. But number six, Metal Gear for me. Uh, out of the ones so far, I've only bought sort of with my money one game. The rest of well, I've only got it for me. The other ones are my dad bought it for himself and I yeah. played it. Like, so hey, that I, counts. Again, I got lucky on that. My number six, everybody pro- everybody's played it. Uh, it is the first original Legend of Zelda. Okay, we're not going to talk about that, about that one now because that's my number one. Number one, okay. Yeah, so we'll, we'll I got save you. that one for the end. And it came out in 1987, guys. Okay, so just mm-hmm. go to your... My number five was Punch-Out, so yeah. just go to your number five. We're doing this pretty good. Very effectively, <laughs> I must say. Pat on, self-pat on the back. All right. You talk about fairy, favorite series. This was my favorite... Or it is my... Fi- it's my second favorite series. Mm-hmm. has way more games. It's the original Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Is that in your list? Oh, okay. and it's not on my list simply okay. because... Uh, I didn't play it in the 80s, yeah. but also because these are, I mean, if, if I had a twop, 20, top, uh, twop, if I had a top <laughs> 25 list, it would be on there, you know, but the not on top, top 10. Because, uh, like I said, you know, I didn't, I want to say I might have played it once in the, <laughs> is it that funny? <laughs> They're dying laughing over twop. <laughs> All right. Okay. But uh, I have played it. I, yeah. Actually, I, I beat it on my PSP. Yeah. With the remix, oh yeah, I remember you playing it. I remember you playing it. Yeah, because there was that certain part repeatedly in the last dungeon to beat the last boss. Because you didn't like the people you picked. I remember that you didn't have a white mage. You didn't have a white mage. Didn't like it. Love the game. Didn't like what I I messed up. Like I didn't evaluate my party correctly. It came out in 1990. Uh, As we just talked about, one of the coolest thing about it is you would pick classes to begin the whole game, and you would keep those guys the rest of the game. Different variations you could have. I believe it was a fighter, a red mage, a white mage, a black mage, uh, a thief, and a black belt. Yeah. Uh, or kind of like a monk type. I think, they, I think in the remake or the whatever that I think. They, they, but anyway, the PSP <laughs> version, I thought it had a subtitle, but I don't think it did. Yeah. I think they just flat yeah. out called it monk. So in that version, at least. The intro of the game is really cool because you start out in, in your normal town. You got to go build some experience and go fight a dude named Garland. Mm-hmm. And after you finally get done with that, you save the princess in that little bit of time, you go over a bridge and then it 
cuts to like the intro saying Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. and you could see your party like crossing over a bridge in a picture. I just thought it was so awesome. Yeah, I love like movies where yeah, I love movies. Yeah, where the title isn't immediately there, like yeah. some Lion King. You know, something where the title comes of eventually mm-hmm. i like that type of build up i do too and that, that's mm-hmm. such a simple thing in a movie like for example like christopher nolan's dark knight trilogy I, I like how the title comes up at the end yeah it never comes up in the beginning well no it just shows the bat signal like yeah, it shows it the bat mm-hmm. thing and then it goes but then like it, the movie's end and then it the name of the movie yeah and ever since robocop i've loved that because you know <laughs> he shoots a dude oh have you seen robocop no nope. oh darn it i wanted to talk about the ending of robocop <laughs> But anybody who's seen RoboCop knows, like, you know, it ends and he says his awesome line and then it goes, <laughs> the music kicks up and just says RoboCop. And it's like, yeah, that's, I don't know, that always gets me when a movie does that. But the same principle, I like it too when movies don't say what it is in the beginning or they, they do it in an inventive way. Uh, Very, you know, that's a creative thing that I, that we, obviously we both, we both appreciate appreciate instead of just John Carpenter, I love you to death, man, as a director, but he, every, all of his titles are always over black to add to the runtime of his movies. <laughs> so... Um, Still cool. <laughs> it was, a, you know, your turn-based combat, which is kind of new at the time. Mm-hmm, uh, definitely. You would get a ship, which was kind of new at the time. Uh, you know, travel the seas, whatnot. Uh, we, we should be very lucky that this game was successful because... Yes. <laughs> um, Sakaguchi, one of the main Final Fantasy person, that if the game had not sold well, he wasn't going to do them anymore. He, he would have quit the game industry, he said, and he would have went back to the university that he was at. Wow. So if this game didn't do well, we would never have seven, we would never have eight, you know, which is one of my my two favorites. Yeah. Um, I really like 10 and 12, but it, we're just very lucky that it was successful. Uh, Indeed. In 2003, the game and all the, like, re-releases on everything had sold 2 million copies. Yeah, so it's pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, game, it, right? I mean, honestly, for a game to be successful, even nowadays, they have to sell at least a million. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, what developers look for. And of course, I mean, you have the juggernauts like Call of Duty and Madden that sell twenty five, yeah. six. The thing about the the original Super Mario Bros. sold forty million. Yeah, I mean, back <laughs> then, that's that's a testament, you know, to. <laughs> but they do count it as when you sell it. Eventually, it got packed into the system, like Wii Sports did with the Wii. Yeah, and they consider that selling the game as well. So. Mm-hmm. I guess that that's counts. a little I mean, bit. To but, me, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't see why. But because yeah. they're buying, they're buying the game with it practically. Yeah. It's almost, you know, it's like saying if they get the game on sale, does that not count? Yeah. You know, as, okay. a, as selling mm-hmm. a copy? No, it, mm-hmm. it counts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, but uh, that is my number five. It's Final Fantasy, the original one. No, I, mm-hmm. Like I agree. Like that would probably be my second or to third favorite series of all time, mm-hmm. bar none. Especially mm-hmm. like you were mentioning the later ones. Uh, of course, a lot of people kind of got on the final, final, uh, I don't want to mispronounce something again because everybody's going to laugh for like 20 minutes about it. The Final Fantasy bandwagon with seven. Yeah. Uh, oh, six was my second favorite Final Fantasy. Overall, seven is yeah. my first six and then eight. Uh, I like the story in six, but I just love five so much because that was the first one that had the job changing system. I played, I played six before. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I played them. I didn't play five until, of course, the uh, PlayStation Final Fantasy Classics or yeah. Had Final Fantasy four was Final Fantasy two in the U.S. Yeah. Final Fantasy five did not come out in the U.S. for a while. Final Fantasy six in Japan three in was three in the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pl- I played that one before I beat five, but I beat five before I beat six. Yeah. Because of course this, these numbers are so convoluted yeah. but uh actually three i have three on my iphone of course it came out for the ds three's all i haven't beat it yet because i play it 
I'm on the crapper, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever I can squeeze in a few moments to play it. Uh, but three's really good. A lot yeah. of fun. But I, and, of course, it's the advanced 3D version, you know, with the, where it's not the sprites, but three's really good. I've three. You, yeah, you did on the DS. Like the original, oh, yep. the, yeah. So you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about then. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun on. Like I didn't expect that one where it twists where you go to the, like the underworld under mm-hmm. you. Yep. Like I was mm-hmm. like, holy, like wow. I guess I got a whole, you know, half of a game to go through. <laughs> sort of like Castlevania Symphony of the Night where you have, oh crap, now there's a whole another castle after you beat the first one. But uh, my favorite Final Fantasy. It's really hard for me to say like my favorite overall because like like you said, eight was so good. Seven's good, but to me it wasn't as good as Man, eight. I would have thought uh, eight, ten, or twelve. I would have thought eight for you, like if I would immediately said eight for you. I mean, overall, as far as like my favorite story, I'd probably say eight is my favorite, bar none, story-wise. Character-wise, I'm so torn between eight, seven, ten, and twelve. Because yeah. well, first of all, my favorite character, my two favorite characters of all of Final Fantasy are in ten, Kimari and Aran. Yeah. The two <laughs> baddest ass mofo's that ever like wielded weapons in Final Fantasy. Uh, and their storyline behind them too, you know. Uh, but then twelve came out and like Bosch was so awesome. And then I mean, of course you got Squall and uh, Questus and uh, Renoa and like you had you know the the eight group and Irvin, Irvine, you know, Irvine yeah, yeah, or whatever you call. Uh, and, and seven, I mean Vincent, uh, Tifa, Cloud, everybody. Red. Red thirteen, that Red was my favorite. Was, yeah. That one, he's probably my third favorite overall. Hmm. Like I was so badass when you got to be red. You know, like like that's a party member. <laughs> yeah. uh, I figured it was just gonna be a, a you know yeah. mid boss fight or whatever, and then. You know, ah, oh, you makes me want to play seven right now. Just so. <laughs> did you ever see like the movies they made? Or it was just the one movie, the Advent Heaven, Children. No, it is. It's kind of. It looks fantastic. Uh, the story's pretty bland, but there's there's a battle scene where they fight Behemoth, oh. and it has all the characters from seven in it in that fight, and it is so freaking awesome. That is the main <laughs> reason to watch that movie. Yeah. If you just watch that one scene on YouTube, like watch it, dude. Like it, it makes you so excited and like, oh, because oh, you're, you're watching. Like all of a sudden, oh, there's Red. Oh, there's Vincent. Mm-hmm. There's Yuffie, and just you're like, oh shit. And they, they like use their power. Uh, like they team up and like do like duo attacks, for lack of a better <laughs> word. To, like as they're fighting Behemoth, you know. And it's it's Neo Behemoth. It's not just regular Behemoth, you know. And it's that one scene is incredible. And of mm-hmm. course, it looks phenomenal because it's SquareSoft CG. Uh, but I. I mean, Final Fantasy, again, as a series, not to harp on it too much, is just, that is one of the greats, if not, like yeah, I said. Second know, favorite series, definitely. definitely mm-hmm. I'd probably say it's my set. As a series, yeah, I would have to say it's probably second. First, if anybody wants to know, it's Shining Force on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. But Actually, you know, Final, we, I know you have an uh, iPod. They have Shining Force 1 on the yeah, marketplace. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. But the, I got it on. It's great the, games on our phone. I got it on the virtual console on the Wii, so. Mm-hmm. One and two. Phone, and that was, my, that was my wife's. Favorite game, Shining Force 2, and that's my favorite. Wow, it's just like <laughs> destiny was so right for you. <laughs> anyway, right, what is your up. number four? Okay, yeah, uh, my number four, when I get my number five was Punch-Out, we talked about that one already. My number four, Double Dragon Arcade 1987 by Taito, came out on the NES in 88. What? I fun? played it. Okay. Yeah. It's not on my list, but I've definitely Good. played it. All right, Double Dragon. <laughs> now, the reason I have the arcade one on here is because... In around 87, 88, my parents owned a restaurant in, here in Denham Springs uh, called Jackson Square. It was New Orleans. They served muffaladas, blah, blah, blah. And at my behest, mom decided to get an arcade machine for the restaurant, and it was double freaking dragon. Wow. And the awesomest thing about it was every, you know, summers I just live up there basically. I actually had my NES there where I'd play Jaws repeatedly trying to beat this stupid game. Uh, <laughs> but then every time 
I want to say in her situation, I don't know if this was everywhere in the 80s, but you would basically rent an arcade machine. Yeah. And you'd kind of pay the monthly thing to have it there. and then But they would come in and take the quarters out. My dad bought an arcade. So it's not like you're making money off of it. It's more so, unless you buy the machine, but you know, it's more so to draw people in, bring yeah. people in to give them some entertainment. Anyway, but Double Dragon. But every time the dude came to like take the money out, he'd open it up and give me like 99 credits. And I would play it all awesome. day. <laughs> I could tear some ass up at Arcade Double Dragon. The NES one was a great one, too. The cool thing about the NES one, though, is they had the Mode B, which was like a, almost like a versus mode where you can pick either of the brothers and some of the computer characters and fight against each other. Oh, badass. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I always picked the Bobo. And now a Bobo is super famous now because they have a Bobo's Big Adventure online. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Mm-hmm. It's nope. really great. Check out mm-hmm. the site, YouTube it, uh, Google it. Uh, but basically, a dude made a game where the sprite of a Bobo goes through other classic sprite-based games. Really well done, really <laughs> awesome. And it's a miracle he isn't sued because it's got so much in it. But it's really great. It's a really a awesome, excuse me, tribute and big dose of nostalgia for 80s video games. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Double Dragon, of course, then uh, Part 2 came out in 89, which 2 added the hurricane kick. And also added fist fights between me and my friends because you would damage your teammate. Well. If you both attack in a bobo and do with a hurricane kick, one of you would, you know, lose, mm-hmm. a, lose some health, and it would like, call, like, dude, stop freaking doing, you know, numerous arguments and turning the game off in anger and going back to my house, uh, thanks to Double Dragon 2's you. hurricane kick. I hate you. Uh, but and then there was also the movie that came out, I think, in the '90s with uh, Scott Wolf and Mark Dacosis, which was oh, and Alyssa Milano. No, that's probably the only was, good thing about it, huh? Now she had short platinum oh, no, blonde no, no, hair, no. so it wasn't nothing to look at. <laughs> uh, and I thought, you know, I always kind of. You know, there are bad movies that are entertaining, but this one's just, there's really nothing entertaining about it. And even though uh, Robert Patrick, fresh off of being the T-1000s, the villain in it, even he couldn't do anything to help this movie stop from being a stinking turd. <laughs> but uh, I do like Mark Dacosis. Like, I think he's a good actor. Of course, he, most people nowadays know him from Iron Chef as the uh, chairman. Uh, not me. Okay, but he's also <laughs> in Brotherhood of the Wolf, and he was the crow in the TV series, Stairway to Heaven. Mm. But he's a pretty good actor. I like the dude. He's a... Uh, I think he's talented. He's also, he's actually a real martial artist, so when he does stuff in movies, it's not, you know, fake, or not, so to yeah, speak. Not a stuntman. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's nothing but a stuntman. <laughs> There's a video our friend made of this crazy neighbor, and he always said, uh, he, he likes Steven Seagal because he respects life, but he hates Jackie Chan because he's just a stuntman. <laughs> so, although I think Jackie Chan does know martial arts, I think he's pretty real. Anyway, but yeah, Double Dragon... Uh, of course, another side-scrolling oh, yeah. pixel uh, sprite-based video game, but very classic, very memorable. And they're actually redoing it. It's called Double Dragon Neon. It's coming out for Xbox Live and PSN uh, with just updated graphics, which I don't know if I'll pick it up because they actually released the original yeah, on I remember you playing Xbox that over here, and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, I'd rather play the original, you know, over this, at least based on how this game looks. But one of my favorites, like I said, it's really two's better. But one is just holds that place in my heart because, you know, in a sense, it was my own personal arcade machine one day a month when this dude would give me 99 credits. <laughs> so I always, always loved Double Dragon. I always had a, a fondness for the, the Lee brothers. Oh, yeah, I, that game was awesome. But that's my number four. All right. My number four, talk about multiplayer games. It is my favorite multiplayer game on the NES. It's probably my favorite all time because of the nostalgia involved with my brother mm-hmm. and my cousins and stuff. It was Tecmo Super Bowl. Hell yeah. It came out in 1991. Uh, it was one of the first football games to use real rosters. It actually yeah. got the NFL licensing. So you saw Barry Sanders. You saw Bo Jackson. 
Now let's and, um, talk about Bo Jackson. Yeah, it had, it had stat keeping, which was a, a I'm sure good you thing. appreciated yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, ESPN named, I don't know when they did this, but they named Tecmo Super Bowl the greatest sports video game of all time, which I totally agree with. Yeah, I mean, um, I can see that. There's so many ROMs now where people went in and did updated modern-day And there's tournaments. And there's all really? kinds of tournaments wow. for Tecmo Super Bowl. That's awesome. I mean, me and my brother would go to my cousin's house, live next door, live you yeah. know, 50 feet away, and play the shit out of this game. We would play a whole season. If we happened to play each other, we did. You know, My uh, team of choice was always the Los Angeles Raiders, <laughs> which had Bo Jackson. Didn't have a good defense, which kind of hurt me. It didn't matter. You had Bo. You'd run <laughs> the kickoff back for a touchdown every <laughs> single time. Uh, but played so many hours on that game, and just the memories involved with that mm-hmm. were awesome. So that is my number four. Uh, I agree with it being like one of the best sports games ever, but one of my favorite sports games ever. I don't know when, because we're just talking about sports games. I don't have any sports games on my list. Uh, but uh, Base Wars on the Genesis. We yeah. had the dueling robots. <laughs> and then if you, like, if they were going to tag you out, it. if they were going to mm-hmm. tag you out on a base, like you had a little... Didn't you get in a fight, fight with them? Yeah. yeah, okay. And my, yeah. the best one to have was the one with the motorcycle le- uh, wheel, the <laughs> unicycle wheel, I guess, because you could just run around the screen and just demolish them. Except, <laughs> except the tank dude. The tank dude would just run you over for some reason. I don't know why, but Base Wars was so awesome. It was basically a, uh, how was that NES game? Actually, I think I wrote it down on my alternate list. Uh, or maybe I didn't. But the baseball game, the, like the first one for NES, you know, it had it behind the shoulder and from the pitching. Oh, what was the name of it? Uh, one game that me and my dad played a lot of baseball was called Bases Loaded. That might, no, no, no. I'm, it's, uh-huh. This is a different one. Okay. Anyway, uh, it, for anybody who's, knows the name of the game I'm talking about, it's in The Princess Bride. It's the one Fred Savage is playing before they start reading the, Princess Bride to him, hmm. uh, or maybe I'm thinking of all rats. No, no, it's not all rats. Yeah, it was hockey. Yeah, I, know, I was about to say maybe it was Princess Bride that did hockey, but no, it's it's Princess Bride. That's the game I'm talking about. But yeah, Base Wars was so freaking because it combined robots hmm. and sports. <laughs> and I, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll have to rescind what I said because Base Base Wars is it have to be number two because I, I just thought of the best <laughs> sports game of all time, and it's Mutant League Football for the Genesis. Never played it. I'm I'm shocked. I have um, I have a Genesis, but I never. Mutant League football was inc- was so awesome because you could <laughs> you could basically tackle somebody so hard they exploded, and you <laughs> could kill the other team. It was so much. And it was it was totally over the top and ridiculous, but it was a really it had the fun factor in it for me because again I've never been associate uh, not associated but uh high up on like you know keeping track of stats for oh, yeah. any kind of sports game you know because I like extreme sports or these over the top ones, but Mutant League football was so. Freaking amazing. You kind of reminded me of uh, if you wanted to play the game like true and you wouldn't turn the game off on Tecmo Bowl if you lost a game yeah. or if somebody got injured, that was the best thing to see on that game was when the dude came out of the hospital before the game because <laughs> yeah. you never, it was random. Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. But anyway. <laughs> yep, but uh, that was your number four, correct? That was my number four. All yep. right, moving on. Number three, my number three, not a, no, getting into my top three, I had a lot of like, ah, oh, I like this one, I like this one. Uh, so I really had to like, I had to leave out, I put this game on here over Metroid. And the reason I put it over Metroid is because it's basically a mix, the gameplay is a mix between Zelda and Metroid. And I actually own this one, so it was a little bit special, more special to me than the original Metroid, which I had to rent. Oh, you must have Metroid on yours. Nope. Okay, well, you were looking at your list like, oh. No, I'm wondering if this is the game. If it's on yours, I will be shocked, okay, personally. Okay, well, never mind. Uh, I'm talking about the NES 1987 classic, Rygar. Never played it. Oh, <laughs> Rygar was so awesome. Uh, Rygar, honestly, it's, it was sort of a mix. I said Metroid and uh, 
Zelda, but also as far as the, the actual gameplay, uh, almost Castlevania, because you had the one of the greatest video game weapons of all time, the disc armor. Imagine a basically Kratos from God of War, except instead of two blades, he has one, and instead of a blade, it's a shield with blades all the way around it. So it's like basically a pissed-off Captain America Wolverine shield yeah. with that's attached to you, and you could swing, and you also use it to latch on to things and swing. So uh, the ultimate shield. Yeah, much. basically. Like, Captain America, you have the second coolest shield next to Rygar. Uh, but this is also an arcade game, which I played the arcade once, but again, I had this for the NES, and it was just a... I love it so much just because it was sort of it's sort of Grecian, not real Grecian, but like it has that kind of aesthetic to it because yeah. you're fighting over the top monsters and everything, trying to destroy King Ligar for the realm of Argul using your magical disc armor. Uh, but uh, it's just, it was just so much fun and it had the it had the you know the, the Metroid aspect where like until you got an upgrade or this certain ability you couldn't get past this part. That's a Metroid influence into it. And Zelda had parts where it was an overworld. Very similar yeah. to Zelda, where you would navigate and dodge monsters that would shoot rocks at you, giants and whatnot. And then we'd go to the side-scrolling parts, akin to Castlevania, where you would you know, use your disc armor almost like a whip to navigate the environment and uh, attack enemies. Uh, and they actually, Rygar made a resurgence on the PS2, which was a really aw- underrated when it came out. There was some high expectations. I mean, it wasn't like a 9.0 game, but it was a solid, like, you know, an 8. It was a very good game and an awesome uh, way to bring Rygar back into 3D yeah. and maintain that feel. I want to say it was sort of like the Contra remake they did on PS2, uh, where it was 3D but still side-scrolling, kind of like a, a lot of games do that now. Uh, but, of course, in the PS1, era, uh, PS1, PS2 era, that was unique for the time. Uh, but it had, like, that 2D aspect, but in 3D yeah. at parts. It was awesome game, a lot of fond memories of being Rygar. He kind of looked like a... He had, like, a crown on his head-looking thing in the original. He looked like a... I don't really I remember that. I'm trying to think of right now. I don't know. Scratch mm-hmm. that idea. Anyway, that's my number three. Rygar for the NES. All right. My number three is... It came out in 92. It was one of the latest ones I got, but it was Dragon Warrior 4. Mm-hmm. Never played um, it. Sold 1.46 million, 1.46 million copies. Worldwide? Yeah, I would assume uh, on the D uh, the DS version because it got re-released. I don't remember. I couldn't find anything on the NES. Mm-hmm. The coolest thing about this was you played it in chapters. There was five chapters. Chapter one, you played as somebody named Ragnar, and you did a, his little backstory and whatnot. And the second chapter, you played as a princess. Third, you played as a merchant. Fourth, you played as two sisters. One was a dancer. One was a fortune teller. The fifth chapter, you started to play actually as the hero of the game, and this is. 10 hours into the game wow. you didn't play them and you get to name them whatnot and you start to meet the characters that you had already played as you go along the story it was just an awesome way to to put everything together to me and it was kind of the first to have a you had a wagon you had a hot air balloon <laughs> to travel across air and whatnot like that um just a bunch of different secret metals that you find if you easter egg type stuff and you get a good sword or something like mm-hmm. that but this is a really really good game um Famitsu mm-hmm. famous magazine in Japan yeah, video Japan. game magazine uh they voted it to the 14th best game of all time wow do you mm-hmm. know what they did number one nah. yeah, in 2006 I guess if they were doing all time they probably did Zelda if mm-hmm. I had to guess cause I mean, it's a Japanese magazine uh or they might have even done Ocarina as number one I know they gave that a 10 yeah, yeah. Um, it lost my place here. 
Oh, it had memorable characters. The cat, the character in chapter three, his name was Taloon. Uh, his name was Tornico in in Japan. He was so popular because at the beginning of the beginning of chapter three, he's a merchant. He works at a weapon shop. He he doesn't own it. He works there. And you actually would go and stand behind the counter, and people would walk in and ask to buy you stuff or sell stuff. Huh. It was like a first in that type of game. It became so popular, he had games spawn himself. Wow. Um, <laughs> sort of like the slimes from that game? Yeah. yeah. Like that enemy? I know they had like some DS games or something, mm-hmm. like a slime's journey or yeah. some whatever. But Dragon Warrior 4, it's my number three of all time. Yeah, I've, n- mm-hmm. I've never, I know the series, Fantastic but I've never game. played any of them. Yeah. One, of the, one of the other little cool things about it is you could open up like a little mini map on one and then you turn it around it shows weapons shows the weapons and your armor and stuff and it shows pictures i would always look at that mm-hmm. just because i thought it was so badass looking. yeah, yeah I, l- I like that in any modern game like any kind of rpg or any game like that where you can bring up your equipment i love games that are, where it shows what you have equipped yeah like mm-hmm. uh of course skyrim and a lot of mod- yeah. most modern games have that yeah. but like a lot not every game mm-hmm. did you know I, and there are times like i'll there there are games where I will not wear a piece of armor, even if it's awesome, if it looks stupid. <laughs> like Skyrim, like I would go craft, like I don't like this set, I'm gonna go craft this and wear it. Uh, because it, you know, I'll craft and make it awesome because it looks cooler on my character. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a, I like mm-hmm. the aesthetic of it, you know. Yep. I'll lose two points to attack, but Remember I look so much better. <laughs> yeah, Cloud Sword and. Oh yeah, and uh, Final Fantasy VII. After the Buster Sword, it changing and stuff. You always kind of look forward to getting a new. Oh one. yeah, that was awesome. You have all mm-hmm. that. But what's your number two? All right, no, top two. All right, my number two. We already know my number one, so it's no, this. I guess this is my big surprise one. You uh, already talked about it, I think. No, we were talking about number one. No, I thought Metroid's number two. Oh for no. You. Oh okay. No, good. I said I was good. debating between oh. having Metroid. Like I, Metroid would be my number three, except when I was reminiscing, I remembered Rygar how much I. Metroid's a great game. I love it, Metroid so, to death, but I didn't own it. I didn't have that uh-huh. nostalgic, that tie to it, to where it's one of my favorites. And Metroid is one of my favorites. I like Rygar better yeah. overall. And it came out later in the console's life cycle, so it, it you know looked better and it never hurts and played a little differently and whatnot. Uh, but my number two, we know what the number one's going to be since Dan already had it on his list, but my number two is the legendary Star Wars Arcade. 1983 uh, by Atari. And guess Ta- what? I've never played it. <laughs> Well, if we still had uh, Bon Marche Cinema, you could have gone to the spaceport there and played it. I thought all your games were from the 80s. It is from the 80s. Oh, I thought you said 93. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 83. 83. 83. Now, there was a... This is is just Star Wars. I I, I should be a little more specific. It's the arcade game called Star Wars from 1983. There was one around, like, the time of the special editions, like in the late 90s, called Star Wars Arcade, which I'm sure you all have seen, like, they had it at Tinseltown and Baton Rouge where uh, you could ride in it and it was more of a blaster. You would play oh, yeah. like Hoth or Death Star. You could play like a scene from each movie. I got you. Not that game. This is the Vector Graphic. I did play the, vector graphic. the racer one. one the... Oh, Padre. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is the 3D color vector graphic game where you sit in, you got the surround sound on the arcade machine, uh, and basically all you're doing is the Death Star trench run. And you have the color outlines of TIE Fighters coming in. It looks just like, remember when they're shooting them in the pods? Han mm-hmm. and Luke and... When they're leaving the Death Star yeah. in Star Wars, that kind of, how that screen kind of looks. It looks similar to that, but a little more colorful. But, I mean, it's got the Star Wars music playing. It's got the TIE Fighter sound effects. You have, like, you know, you're spinning the control thing. It was, like, at that time, the most amazing video game experience ever. Because when you're a kid and you watch Star Wars, 
you know, the trench run is like iconic. Like, oh, I'd be like, and then like you could fly in the trench in this game. And of course, gra- you know, early age of video games, vector graphics where it's basically a black screen and then colored lines. Yeah. Sort of like the hidden game in NBA Jam Arcade, the tank game. And kind of, they had, it was a big failure. The Virtual Boy was yeah. sort of like that, right? Mm-hmm. It was way more advanced as far as, yeah. I mean, you had like sprites, but they were all two color, you know, yeah. it was red and it was 3D. But this game was, it's always been one of, like, if I could, if I ever won the lottery, like, I would buy arcade games naturally, because I would get Double Dragon and Arthur mm-hmm. Beast and have an arcade. But uh, this would be the one I would prize above all. And they did have one that wasn't a sit-in, which was nowhere near as fun, because you couldn't hear TIE Fighters coming around you and the music blaring, and, you know, it's like you're getting into a cockpit. Sort of like uh, another fun one like that was Afterburner and the arcade, where it, like, Moved like wow. it was like a ride. Mm-hmm. It was like a Disney World ride because it was on like a it was like a circular thing that you'd sit in on like a a, sta- a pedestal and they would rotate in that as you're flying. You played a lot more arcade than I have. Well, dude, I mean, again, when I growing up, expect early eight, you know, for most of the eighties and the nineties too, because nineties was the rise of Super Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Arcades were still big, you know, yeah. huge. Every time I'd go to Cortana Mall. I'd, my, my mom would give me and my brother, if he was old enough at the time, you know, five bucks, and, so, and we'd stay in Spaceport while she goes and does her woman shopping. You know, and now, you know, if you I got see your own little babysitter. Game, like, my heart skips to be, because, like, they're so rare to see, in our area at least. I know other, they're still big in Japan. My dad owned uh, Donkey Kong. That's awesome. We bought Donkey Kong. Uh, still have it? Or? No, he eventually oh, sold it. Sad. He had two pinball machines and a Donkey Kong arcade. Like, so. but, uh, and even the mall here in uh, Mall, Louisiana, used to have an arcade. And then mm-hmm. it eventually became nothing more than a Dance Dance Revolution and the prize games, you know, the claw games yeah. and whatnot, and they took the it's arcades the out claw. of there. But uh, arcade, you know, they're, they're dying. They're practically dead for the most part in America, big in Japan. But they, that's a huge bit of – that's a huge part of the 80s is the arcade, like the whole yeah. aspect of it. I mean, I, I remember in the 90s going to arcade for Mortal Kombat, and people would put their quarters as to who's next. And I don't know what that meant. They're like, oh, somebody left a quarter there. Yeah. And I took that quarter and went and played, you know – yeah. Uh, lethal enforcers or something <laughs> I didn't know because I mean you know <laughs> I learned le- very quickly no one ever told me it's just mm-hmm. like friends like yeah you put a quarter there when you want to play next I'm like oh I better not take those ever again I remember they had like eight different ones eight different quarter slots yeah I mean, especially in. with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter they would eventually have those to where people you know, <laughs> I got next yeah pretty much you know loser stay uh, winner stays loser pays as the arcade slang used to go <laughs> but yeah uh, see overall I have one, two... Excited was actually an arcade game in Japan, too. One, two, three... Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! was an arcade game, not in its current form. So actually, almost half my list is arcade games mm. in some iteration. Uh, but super, super fond memories of arcade games. Like, mm. I mean, you know, that was a fun atmosphere because everybody's in there to play arcade games. You're in a room full of, like, a Halo land or any kind of land. You know, you're in a room with people who want to play games and... Mm. Oh, oh, dude, you figured People out, you People know, watch you if you you're good at it. You Fatality or, you know, uh, oh, dude, that's an awesome combo you did and whatever. Or, you know, one of the funnest things is, you know, especially playing light gun games are always some of my favorite, like Lethal Enforcers and uh, stuff like that. And you're playing some dude, random stranger comes along, picks up the pink player two gun, and y'all, like, blast through a level. Oh, good <laughs> shot, bro. Cover me, cover me. You know, and your instant friends, you know, there's an awesome environment yeah. in the arcade, you know, something that's, you know, it's rekindled today in land game. You know, when friends like we had the other weekend, we had a retro gaming weekend. We played a we'll, lot of we'll 64 get it back. games. We'll get it back with Halo 4. Yeah. I hope so. Mm-hmm. You know, having you know, it's one thing. It's fun playing online. Online gaming is great, 
but nothing beats when you and your best buds are all in the same location where you can finish a match, talk about it, yeah. you know, whatnot. So, fond memories. But anyway, that's my number two. So, Daniel, you got two left. So go ahead and do your one and your two and one. Yeah, and then and we'll, we'll do discuss, we'll yeah. d- finish off with Zelda. Yeah, because number one, y'all probably haven't played. Uh, my number two is Kid Icarus. Hell yeah! It was 1987. Um, the game is to me is amazing. Like yeah, I can go back and play it, and it's it's the Shawshank of video <laughs> games to me. If I have any type of mood to play, I got it on Virtual Console now. I just go and play it. Like mm-hmm. you know, always put in a password if you yeah. want to do a certain level. Yeah. Um, the the music on that game is my favorite in any any game level ever. Four or f- Five. There's one tune on there that's so awesome to this day. It's hard. That sounds anyway. like a reasonable facsimile. <laughs> I, I I have a horrible voice, so. <laughs> but music is. Love that game. I need to get them on my phone. Oh, well, the ringtone. When I get my uh, iPhone eventually, ever. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to put it on. I'll say you mine. Yeah. I'll just give it to you. <laughs> But um, it's just so many things in that game. The boss fights were awesome mm-hmm. to me. Um, I'm a sucker for boss fights. Yeah. Um, One reason the snake was my favorite, or what? Mm-hmm. It looked like a snake. I don't know yeah, exactly what, what it was. The fact that you would get the hammer and unlock these little guys—they were actually called centurions. Yeah. Um, and they would help you. I thought that was so cool to me. And the level up with the the longbow and mm-hmm. and the little two little circles around little fireballs and yeah. Such a cool, cool game. Um, most aggravating aspect of that game is getting hit with an eggplant by far and away. Oh, God. That's like getting your shield in my like like. Because <laughs> you had to search for that stupid, you know, wherever the uh, hospital basically was on each dungeon to find that. And then normally, you know, you have to go through a certain part with an eggplant thrower. So you have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get hit again, you're just even that more pissed off. Yeah. So you're more reckless in that, <laughs> in those terms. Especially if you're going down and somebody's throwing one up at you. Oh god! And you can't do anything about yeah, it because they you're... can either throw it really long or the short. If they throw it a certain one that you're that's bad for you, you're screwed. Yeah, it's just like you see. It's like watching a car <laughs> wreck in slow motion. You just you know it's you're like uh, before it even hits you. You're just like the oh, whole shit. You know, you get the three things and you're able to fly at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just such a fun, iconic game for me. Oh, definitely. I can play it anytime. And now, that's my number two. Now, uh. Oh, Super Smash Bros. is the latest one to come out. Oh, yeah. With Favorite the, character uh, easily Pit. is Pit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't own a 3DS, so I can't get the new one that came out. Mm-hmm. But I would love to, to play that. But, uh, so many memories of that. And that was an old 87 game, yeah. old one. So. Kid Icarus was an NES classic. That's my number two. Uh, but real quick, like uh, I love Kid Icarus, but one game I like more that's very similar to it, which I, you might may or may not have played. It's not on my list, but it's one of my it's one of my honorable mentions. It's a game called Legendary Wings, and it's basically Double Dragon mixed with Gradius, but could you, but it's two player. So you're fly. It's very similar to Kid Icarus. You're flying side scrolling through the level, and but it's two player, and, you can, and you're negating the level with and you have like a laser or something. I don't remember what you have. It's probably not a laser. It wasn't. Maybe it was. I don't remember. It's been so long, but it's very, it's, you know, you're basically an Icarus. I mean, you have wing, you're doing wings. Um, uh, so it's very similar look to it, but it's more realistic as far as the, the graphical look to it. You know, I mean, it's not, 
it's very you know detailed pixels for what they were where like you're obviously a, a man a, ra- a proportionate sized man with wings blasting mm-hmm. through the level co-op and that's and me and jason Orso had it my good friend and uh we just played the hell out of it like cooperatively through the entire game i would like to play that <laughs> it's all like i mean of course i remember being awesome but unfortunately there's so few games that hold up mm-hmm. when you go back to them some do and those are like that's the like of course my number one which we're gonna talk about in a bit uh but it's it's like an altered beast back in the day it was amazing today it's so bad yeah. so bad but i mean it's one of those games you just, like i said i'll put a quarter in it's nostalgic that's what makes it that's why you remember it because of that not because it was actually a good game yeah. you know so but uh what your number one let me, not, let me bef- you have your paper hit let me guess is it one of the three kingdoms or yeah but it's not that tight okay uh it's they have the romance of the three kingdoms mm-hmm. um this one's actually called destiny of an emperor Mm-hmm. came out konami released it in 1990 um it's based on lou guanzon's whatever uh romance of three kingdoms yeah. novel which was um, huge in china like it's kind of like a historical like Lord of the rings for the chinese uh i've probably beaten this game 40 times wow i've i put more hours in this game than any on the nes by far um it's your typical rpg you start out small you start out lu bay is your guy and then you build up your army. You don't have health. You have army. And I thought, always thought that was a cool thing as well. Um, some of the characters were were very interesting. I know everybody remembers Lubu. Yeah. Um, it, from the Dynasty Warriors games, he even became more badass. But Lubu was always the strongest person on this game. Uh, and he betrays you at one time. The whole Lubu deal with him. Oh, yeah. Every time I play uh, Dynasty Warriors, I pick Lubu after I unlocked him. And I hated fighting him with his two giant feathers. Did any of y'all ever play this? No. Probably not, yeah. But it, what was really cool, um, when you when you play a game, you've beaten a game 20 times, and on the 21st you find something new out. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time there was a guy, normally there's, there's certain people like Chow Yun or Zao Yun, I like to call them, Mikao or Macau. Yeah. Um, they build army as you level. They level with you. Mm-hmm. Zhang Fei. There was one guy that leveled with you that I didn't find. You just have to talk to him. And I never <laughs> talked to him, like, for the first, a lot of the times I beat the game. And I find his name was Yang Wei. And uh, I thought that was really cool. And one time I was searching. You could go to one little spot search, go to another spot search. And I searched a certain area and I found a trident. And it was way overpowered for when you get to the city. Mm-hmm. I actually looked it up on GameFAQs, and nobody had that in there. So I wrote a little thing about how to find that. Because <laughs> awesome. it was just so overpowered at the time, and I didn't discover it until, you know, the 20th yeah. time I played it. That's awesome, though. That's easily my favorite game. It, uh, on the NES, it's my second favorite game of all time, buying Shining Force 2. Mm-hmm. So, oh, awesome. what's your number one? Well, I know the suspense is killing everybody, but it's Legend of Zelda, the original. That was your number, what, seven? Number six. Six. Uh, First of all, this game is my number one because uh, basically came out on February 21st, 1986, published by Nintendo, of course. Um, My babysitter at the time had it, and then she would just leave it. So I never owned it, but I basically had it. Yeah. You You borrowed a bit. Pretty much. I borrowed it forever <laughs> yeah. until my, my NES and like, like, seriously like, disappeared. Like I borrowed Gone with the Wind from your mom? Yeah, pretty much. And pretty much never gave it back. Never even watched it. Yeah. Or did you watch it? Nope. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Anyway, but Legend of Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda, I mean, there's really... I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast and you played video games, you know of this game or you've actually played it. Yeah. Uh, there's not so much to say except just undying love for it. Uh, but, I mean, I, actually last weekend I played this game for about three hours on the virtual console. Awesome. <laughs> just, that was, it was the first game. When I got a Wii, I got a Wii kind of late. I got it because Mario Kart was coming out. And uh, we were all playing Mario Kart, big on playing that online and four-player split screen. The first game I bought physically was Mario Kart with the system. Went home, immediately downloaded Legend of Zelda. Immediately. And uh, I'm not big on the Wii. I mean, I played a few games on it. Uh, but the game I played the most on my Wii, Netflix doesn't count as a game, uh, is The Legend of Zelda and Donkey Kong Country. But, like, Legend of Zelda, for me, still, just, like, when I'm playing that game, I feel like I'm sitting on the floor at my parents' house, you know, on a Saturday, just lost in it not you know oh wait no i remember i can i'm gonna go take this candle and burn this bush oh secret <laughs> oh wait oh, oh, which tombstone do i touch to push out of the way mm. oh it's this one what's the what's the exact order do i walk oh, through those woods yeah. that i would sometimes forget and then it would really piss me off I, I i don't remember it but i actually i was at that i went through there last weekend mm. and i swear it was just muscle memory <laughs> i was like i remember thinking like i think it's this this and this and then it was mm. but I, I could not i honestly couldn't spout it now i remember this game brings back the the big time memories for me because I remember my dad kicking ass at this game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at this is this is how far technology's come. Back in the even early Super NES, you didn't you know if you couldn't find something out, you called the hotline. Yeah, for ninety nine cents yeah. a minute. Or- and and my dad would do that if there was just something we couldn't figure out. I don't know if he did it with Zelda. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I do remember the Lost Woods. Mm-hmm. One of the things I take from this game. Some of, some of your favorite games have these aggravating things. I was a little kid Icarus, the eggplant. To me, Zelda was that stupid fuck, that stupid hand at the end that if it grabbed you, it'd bring you back to the beginning of the dungeon. I could not stand that thing. Like, My biggest thing was like-likes because like, I would forget about them and I'd have the shield. Which one, which one are those? They again? look like a sleeping bag, a, a, a plaid sleeping bag. They're in the dungeon, but they would eat your uh, master shield. And you have to go buy it again. I don't remember that. Because like the things I didn't I didn't realize they were eating it. Like they were killing it. I thought <laughs> I I didn't know what happened. Like you said, there's a lot of things you don't know. And you figure it back then, you know. Uh, most of my Zelda knowledge came from my babysitter's brother who beat it. And I would like say, oh, can you ask him like what like how do I do this or whatever? And like, oh, we got to feed the Triceratops the bombs, you know, blah blah blah. Or uh, but or Nintendo Power. One of my the older kids down the road from me. He had a subscription to Nintendo Power, and Nintendo Power back in the day was awesome. Yeah, like the magazine itself was just a badass magazine, mm-hmm. and it had it had the like the maps and like the strategies and like that's where I got most of my information. But I do remember the hotline though, and I got in trouble for calling that hotline and then the Freddy Krueger one where he tell you like a scary story if you call them. <laughs> I was like, why do I got twenty bucks on this phone bill? I, Who are you calling? I'm like, I don't know. I just saw it on TV. My dad, I had, <laughs> I had a seventy or is seventy or ninety dollar bill one time for. Well, calling. obviously he wasn't hurting for money, but. Like, 45 games over the course of the NES. This I think was, you can swing that. I called the He-Man hotline. Hell yeah. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> He-Man, baby. But um, 2009, Game Informer called Legend of Zelda the greatest game of all time, uh, saying it was ahead of its time by years or even decades. Oh, I would say so. Yeah. Like, I would completely... Maybe I might not agree with the placement, but I mean, the Legend of... The original is cemented in culture and gaming as a pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be perfectly honest, the only other Zelda game I played after the first one is 2 and uh, Ocarina. 
Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Zelda fan. Like, you know, I never played Wind Waker and never played Twilight Princess or any of the Wii ones, Skyward Sword, none of them like that. The series never grabbed me, even though I, I love the hell out of the first one. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's because they just don't compare to me, to the first one, that feel of it. Maybe it's a bit of that. Link to the Past. <laughs> really good. <laughs> I mean, like, is that on Virtual Console? Link to the Past? Ooh, I think so. Yeah. I might actually go buy that and actually You would really like one. Link to I, the Past. I, I honestly would probably mm-hmm. do that, because, mm-hmm. like, uh... I think it is. I know Ocarina and Majora's Mask is, but I have Ocarina on, like, the bonus disc for buying. Zelda 2 is, because that's how I got it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to start going through that, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, the, Zelda is it's one of those pinnacles in gaming that oh, yeah. is uh, Zelda Mario Brothers. I mean, those are iconic. They will never be forgotten, uh, no matter the, good, the ups and downs of the series. The, you know, the, the Legend of Zelda is, I'm sure, as most people who are reminiscing about the 80s as they listen to this podcast, remember this game. Remember the music. Remember all the little things that tick them off. Like the damn fish that pops out of the ocean. Yeah. And then you get comboed by getting bumped into one of, by one of the uh, things and it knocks you back into that thing hitting you and you lose two hearts. You know, <laughs> just random stuff. And all the little secrets and all you can still remember. And, you know, mm-hmm. touching the damn trees by the entrance six to the underworld and the knights come out and, mm-hmm. and hit you before you can escape and... You know, so many great things about this game. And yeah, when you finally go into this whole different section, you're like, whoa, and you slide in. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, there's really not much else to say about it except mm-hmm. just gushing over how awesome it is. <laughs> so uh, that's my personal number one game of the 80s. Uh, and to this day, you know, in my top ten list, even with considering modern games, I would probably have this one on oh, in yeah. my top ten mm-hmm. of all time, definitely, uh, even though I'm not honestly not a fan of the series. You know, like a diehard fan to where I think, pretty sure Steven is because he – talks about Zelda all the time and knows a lot about it. He's very knowledgeable in that series. Uh, but yeah, just as a whole, the series just never grabbed me such as like a Metal Gear or whatever. But also, growing up as games go, you know, I never, I yearn for more, not that Zelda games are mature, but you know, more, especially in the PS1 era, all the M-rated games and, you know, mm-hmm. Silent Hill, Resident Evil. That's That kind of gravitated me away from, you know, Mario Brothers or whatnot, even though I did play, continue with Mario Brothers, but that's our top tens. A uh, couple of honorable mentions. Yeah, let's go those real quick because we are running a little bit long. But uh, go ahead and shoot through some of yours. Just some of my bases loaded. Played it with my dad oh, all the yeah. time. Um, the Guardian Legend. Did you ever play that? Um, it's hard to explain. Super Contra. Hell yeah. NES Open golf game on the... Oh, well, you talk about NES golf on the thing, the Aliens, and that's the one I had experience with. <laughs> and I just, at that age, I didn't get it. I didn't understand golf. <laughs> they had the two. Uh, it came together with Super Spike Volleyball, and then it had oh. the, the Nintendo World Cup. Yeah. A really good game. Super Spike Volleyball was awesome. I played that one. That game was B.A. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. In the arcade as well. Oh, yeah. Four-player. The original track and field. Yeah. Where you start to use the pin top to <laughs> press the button as quickly as you could. Um, the Adventures of Lolo, which is yes. one of the original awesome. puzzle-based games. Levels. Yeah. And Orknoid. Which you got to use a different controller, which yeah, is really cool. Little, your little uh, wheel little thing. Wall, yeah. Yeah. And that's some it. of my honorable mentions. That, like, I, I wrote these down, and then I picked from these. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I did. This is my, these are some of the, my quote-unquote honorable mentions. Uh, Mario 3, of course. Afterburner, the arcade, which I mentioned. Rampage. Um, oh, I remember Rampage. Arcade, yeah. It was arcade and NES, but I always loved being Godzilla. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't called Godzilla on there, but, I mean, you had the monkey and you had Godzilla, basically. <laughs> that was just always a fun, fun game for me. Uh, the original intro's arcade, like you said. 
uh, Metroid, like I mentioned. Uh, Kung Fu was one of my favorite I NES games Fu, yeah. with the bosses, and you fight Mr. X at the top. And... Except Mr. X, you can easily exploit it. That's, really? That was aggravating about it is because it was hard for me to beat them regardless, you know, if I did something other than exploit it. All you did was you walk right up to closely to him and do that little... The sweep? Yep. And kill him. <laughs> he keep going. he do this. I wish I would have known this 20 years ago. Uh, interesting little tidbit about that, which I found funny real quick. Mm-hmm. My very first long-term girlfriend, Anna, her mom and dad's name was Thomas and Sylvia, and that was the name that of the... the yep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were, maybe that the game was based yeah. on their relationship. You should have inquired about it. Uh, but uh, also Iron Sword, which is a sequel to Wizards and Warriors on NES. Uh, you might more so remember Iron Sword from the Fabio ad. He was like the cover boy for the game, holding the sword over his shoulder. <laughs> Hard game, but very fun. Uh, a lot of good memories of that. I mentioned Legendary Wings. We mentioned before on the podcast, Friday the 13th was always awesome. I hated uh, that game because it pissed me off. Cause it I scared the crap out of me. It was uh, sort of like Zelda. It was a horror Zelda. You had to like figure out what to do and where one, to go. And One thing, one that I played that I did, I don't have it written down here, was pretty good. It was Fax and Anu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good game. And then, uh, no, I mentioned... No, I've Hudson's always, Adventure Island. When we have straight off mm-hmm. of the tangents, I've always mentioned one game that I always loved, which was TNC Surf Design. Yeah, that was I always good. loved that game. <laughs> now... I wish I would have put it in the. I could have fit it in the top ten, but the ones I mentioned were just a little bit dearer to me and more profound, so to speak. Uh, and also, uh, Skater Die we mentioned on that when you talk about the Aliens podcast. Uh, that was always fun for the versus mode and the half pipe with the joust. <laughs> uh, and one, a couple of games too that I really, really liked that most people probably didn't play. Probably not the first one, but Fester's Quest on NES. I remember it. Adam's yeah. Family. That yeah. game was awesome. He threw. I never a- beat it. It was kind of a top-down skew yeah. perspective, but it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And then one of the hardest games that I've ever played, to me, Back to the Future on NES. Never played it. It was so yeah. free. The first level's fine. You're kind of side-scrolling, skateboarding. I could never get past the second level. I got past it like one time ever. But at the second level, you're in the bar, in the room, in the... Uh... Never watched Back to the Future. Oh, oh that's right. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> That'll be coming up soon, folks. But uh, you're in uh, the, I guess the soda uh, cafe, whatever you want to call it, and throwing sodas at the bullies coming in. But the whole time you're under a time limit, which your picture in the in the movie your picture fades if, as you as you Marty McFly has to set things right in the game that's your life and the pictures fade over time you have to keep like doing things so the picture doesn't fade and it was the hardest MFN game I've ever played in my life seriously. Um, Star Tropics was a good series on the NES. Quick aside yeah. of that game, like Jason Orso almost stopped being friends with me on that game because I accidentally overwrote his save file on it <laughs> by a complete accident because like you know you had like three or four save slots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to play. So, okay, make a slave, slave slide. Just don't push anything on that one. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those situations times where you, somebody says something, but you, you're literally, you do what they say because your, your fingers <laughs> move faster. <laughs> but it turned out better because he found, like, another thing that he, like, could have used better. You know? I mean, yeah. it worked out for the better. But he was so mad, and I apologized so <laughs> profusely that I did that by mistake. But uh, that's my Star, Star Tropic story. But I, I've watched him beat that game. I'd actually never beat it. But I watched him pretty much play it. And, uh, speaking of that, that reminds me too of uh, Kirby. Kirby's Adventure on NES. Never played that him. game was incredible. Basically Mario kind of style yeah. with Kirby, and that was a fantastic game that he had. I never had, but played the crap out of it and watched kind of tournaments almost. Like somebody would play a life, we'd trade it off going through the Kirby game. <laughs> but uh, that pretty much does it for our awesome look back at the 80s and a little bit of the 90s video games that were dear to us. Hope you all had some nostalgic pleasure listening to it. Uh, it, to me, for me, it was a lot of fun just going to Wikipedia and looking up all the oh, seeing yeah. all the games that were released, and just be like, "Oh, I remember that one. Oh, that one too." And like, because I mean, as you get older, you don't remember every badass game you played or games that might have 
you know, really stuck out to you until like you kind of they refreshed in your mind as to how awesome oh, they were yeah. and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that uh, Mylan Secret Castle was a game yeah, that I, I forgot until I looked in it. I was like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> and there was a game. Well, I don't, I ain't gonna waste time on it anyway. It was an Atari game where you're a bear and you're getting jewels in a castle. I don't remember the name of it. I don't remember the name of it, but I have it on Xbox Live on the ar the arcade thing. Like you buy the virtual arc. I forget what it's called. Anyway, it's on there. I forget the name of it, but that game is awesome still. It's so much fun. Maybe I'll, I'll find the name for the next podcast. Anyway, we're running a little bit long, but that's fine. Hope you all guys enjoyed it. Uh, we do have the next few weeks lined up as to what we're going to do. Uh, as I already mentioned, we're doing Let, Look Who's Talking next week. Week after that, we'll finally be getting to the Tim Burton 89 Batman. Maybe get a little bit of, maybe hopefully you'll see, I've seen The Dark Knight by then. We can maybe talk a little yeah, bit about that and how it relates to the, the Burton Batmans and whatnot. Maybe get a little discussion on that. And then after that, we should be getting into Shark Week, my favorite week of the year. So we're going to be looking at doing maybe Jaws 2 and 3. So definitely look forward to those. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, anything else, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. You could ask people to send in their own list oh, of NES games. Great idea. If there's any games that we missed that stand out to you, go ahead and send them to 80sRevisited at gmail.com. We can go over those. We can revisit this. Uh, again, we we're big on movies, so this is a little uh, still in the 80s, still in our... Uh, repertoire but a little bit different from what we've been doing so if there's any other thing like maybe music or comics or books or whatever that you might want to reminisce about even kids books i mean we're all kids in the 80s so i was a pc gamer in the 80s so oh, i played really? games like uh, ancient out of war which was the 86 game of the year and <laughs> you know commander keen captain comet stuff like that awesome no yeah no, i know you don't know any of that my family didn't have a computer until like yeah, same here. early 90s whenever aol came out like, right before AOL came out, because AOL came out and they had the, the floppy to, like, install AOL and connect via your modem. That's when I had a computer. And, of course, my first computer game was Doom. I mean, like, a lot of people that tend to be Warcraft 2. And then uh, that, was a, that, was, that was the first series that mm -hmm. I loved on. Uh, actually, that is the first full PC game I ever bought was Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness. Because mm -hmm. everybody had Doom shareware. <laughs> Every single person had a computer had Doom shareware. Uh, but anyway, guys, th again, thanks for listening. Don't forget about the other shows in the Awesome Podcast Network, uh, Duo Attack, and uh, Geekly, Geekly Dose. Dose. So definitely check those out. And until next time, we will see you. I'm Trey Harris. And I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Till next time, folks. Mm. Cowabunga! Cowabunga! At the Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network. And follow us on Twitter at Awesome Podcasts.